0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. We are the Three Musketeers, and we will be discussing everything fun about the world of human resource management. My name is David Alangi. I am the group liaison for the Three Musketeers. To my left is the one and only Brian Novick. To my right is the one and only Jack Williamson. And last, but very not least, across from me is Tim Pasula. Uh, A little bit about me first, Uh, I am from Long Island, New York. Um, I love golf. I am a golf management major, Um, and that is going to drive what I talk about today. I am coming from the desk of what to watch out for, uh, and I'm going to kick it to my good friend, Brian.
1: Thank you, David. Uh, My name is Brian Novick, as David politely introduced me as. Uh, I am a third-year hospitality major at Penn State. Uh, An interesting fact about myself is that I I wrestled for 12 years, and I'm coming to you guys today from the desk of something to think about, and hopefully we leave you with something to think about. Next next up is going to be my good buddy, Jack Williamson.
2: Hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Jack. Uh, I'm from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Um, I am a professional golf management student, uh, and a fun fact about me is you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell I'm a golf management student by my golf swing, believe it or not. But
0: we're working on it.
2: We're working on it. We're trying. Yeah. From what I, I'm not a golf major, but from what I've heard, Jack
1: has a long way to go. You no, know, <laughs> that's not nice. Come
0: on, bro. That's not nice. <laughs> uh,
2: and the desk that I'll be uh, reporting from is something important. So I'm going to swing it across for me and go over to uh, Tim. All righty. So I'm Tim Pasula.
3: I'm uh, from Pittsburgh, about an hour east. And I'm a junior studying professional golf management, same as Jack and David. And outside of golf, I do like to play hockey. And a fun fact about me is that I own my own nine-hole golf course.
0: Um, Well, if you hadn't noticed already, uh, we are good friends in and out of class. Um, We're the three Musketeers because we tried to kick out Brian. uh, But unfortunately, here we all are.
1: They realized they ended up needing me.
0: Yeah, we do. As as the only one with a human resource, you know, and or hospitality, hospitality. management, excuse me, background, uh, it was kind of important to keep him around because otherwise it's kind of the blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but without further ado, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to get into it.
1: Let's
0: I don't mind at all. Let's get into it. But all Dave, right. Dave. So as I said before, um, I'm reporting from the desk of what to watch out for. And uh, I kind of wanted to look a little more into the changing of the guard in the golf industry and how we are, you know, moving from a generation of employees and managers that anticipate you to work, you know, your work-life balance should be, you know, 70-30 in favor of work. Um, this is extremely prevalent in, in hospitality and especially in golf. Uh, This is this is kind of the common theme that we see. Um, However, you know, in in recent times, uh, we've kind of seen this shift where uh, younger general managers and, and younger head golf professionals are taking over and they're kind of alleviating this this pressure and they're allowing they're allowing their young professionals to kind of take their lives back and and not have to spend 100 hours on the clock as it should be. Yeah. And uh, I mean,
1: do you, what do you think about that? Like, how does that, is that impacting how you're going to see your career? Is it, is it different than what you were expecting?
0: Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, the, the first two internships I worked, um, I actually, I have gone back to the same place every year. Um, but the two, the first two internships I worked, I was uh, working outside operations, which is kind of just the brunt of the work, you know, the stuff that, the guys who are on staff there full-time don't really want to do and you know you're out you're grinding out 65 70 hours a week and you know don't get me wrong you are getting paid so it's not the worst thing in the world but uh it's 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 a grind it's hard to differentiate you know work in life you know work in your your personal life at that point especially you're you know you're at the club you're spending so much time at the club you work at and you know it feels like every time you're you're going to play golf it feels like you're still on the clock uh, so really a 70 hour work week becomes like a hundred hour work week. If you practice and play golf all the time, yeah, but um, uh, it's, it's, it was wild, but you know, I, I found something in an article that kind of was supporting how I, how I feel and, and, and was showing this change. Um, and it's actually a, an article from Gecko hospitality. It was written by uh, Stephanie Winfield and it's called how country clubs can keep employees engaged and satisfied. And it was, uh, it was released in about a year ago or excuse me, about two years ago to the day almost. Um, it was released in May of 2021. And and an interesting thing I saw of it is it, it is talking mostly about this work-life balance that we're supposed to have.
1: Yeah. Um, have you know, I mean, since this article is two years ago, have you noticed any changes in your most recent internships comparatively to what they were?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, um, for sure. We kind of, we've hired more staff uh, you know, to alleviate some of the hours that we were working beforehand, uh, which is, which is great, you know, not having to work 60 hours, having a 40 hour work week again is, is great.
2: Yeah, that's true. They did the same thing for me this summer. Oh, that's great. My boss was like, "We, we got our biggest staff. So, you know, we can, uh, we can give you guys each two days off a week instead of, you know, like you said, working the 70 hour work weeks.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are still internships that exist in our industry where it's, you know industry leading internships and opportunities where, you know, Tuesday through Sunday, you know, you're clocking in from six to six and and it's, it's tough. But as far as I uh, have been, you know, excuse me, as I have been a part of so far, you know, we're kind of seeing this shift more towards a work-life balance, which the article, the article highlights and is really nice. Um, The other article, (laughs) that I that I looked into, um, as far as what to watch out for, um is employee turnover in the golf industry because you know you see these these young golf professionals like I will be one day, and it's they're really slugging it out right now, working seventy 80 hours a week, and they're leaving the clubs they're working at because it's such a miserable, it's such a miserable experience and they're and they're looking for more of a work-life balance. So the second article is uh, uh, the case of the country club organizational culture and employee turnover. Um, it's from a JHTC journal. It was written by Jim Butler and George Alexakis, um, and basically, it's just talking about how if if you ever want consistency and uh, a lower turnover rate in the golf industry, we got to take our employees into account. Now, as Brian drops his phone, <laughs> uh, we got to take the, sir, we got to take our employees more into account um, and treat them better than Brian treats his phone. But. uh I mean,
1: it yeah. kind of t- that kind of ties in with something that I with one of the articles that I was looking up. Uh this is again Brian Novick reporting from the desk of something to think about. Uh I mean, so my article uh was written by Richard Vendeford from the Wall Street Journal, says that it says the title is to stay flexible, bosses are told, even as great resignation wanes. And this article was from about five months ago and towards the end of last year. And the article kind of aligns on what you're saying of it says that employees will take advantage of their employer when they feel that their employer is taking the advantage of them. Right. And it kind of, I feel like are the fact that these, these industries really tie in really well together. And I feel like people are, are so much less willing to take crap and they're going to almost find a new opportunity, whether it's through quiet quitting, whether it's through the great resignation, whether it's through any of these multitude of different topics. But they're going to go somewhere where they feel like they're valued and they're going to try to almost like if they're if they don't see their value, they're going to make it themselves right. and they're going to take it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, employees have become such a commodity, you know, qualified employees. So, yeah, I I totally understand what you're saying. If, if they don't feel like they're being valued, you know, maybe in their best interest to leave. And that's that plays into that plays into the high turnover rate of our of our industry.
1: No, yeah. I mean, another. So then, my my other article, which is from SHRM, written by Kathleen Mayer, talks about how Disney wants their workers back in the office, and they're like, they're they're getting rid of remote work. And mm. that was something that became very, very popular and very, very attractive during COVID, and 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 with the in with the years leading after, it became almost a expectation for employees to have one or two days out of the office. And Disney, set, Disney forcing everyone else back in. So that's a really, really interesting precedent that I think is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Because Disney is seen as a leader in one in Florida, in California, and as well as throughout the country.
0: Right. Uh, does it talk about their their turn, like how effective getting everybody back in the office was? Because I, I would imagine that a lot of people have made such a lifestyle for themselves that transitioning back into the office would not be. Incredibly easy. No, yeah,
1: I mean, so the data last, year, so the data last year from Rosalind's NJ-based ADP Research Institute, for instance, indicated that organizations that do do what Disney is doing and they force employees to be fully on-site could risk losing up to two-thirds of their workforce. Wow, which is just crazy.
0: Wow, I mean, I mean yeah, that's a damning number.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, to see sixty-six percent of employees had to have that potential of just going away. Is is scary for any company? It really speaks to the type of time that we live in, and how empowered employees are feel at the moment, and how we as managers have to really encourage those feelings and foster that within our organization so they stay.
0: Right, and I'm happy that there's a kind of like a, a transition of power now where there's employee empowerment. But I think to to a certain extent, it's kind of it's going to correct itself.
1: Oh, I agree. At some
0: point, I mean, for years it was just, you know, go to work, sit down, shut up, do your job. You know, pack it up, leave. Now it's, you know, paid time off and 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 taking time with your family and making sure that your employer can be flexible. I think we're gonna have a correction, yeah, unfortunately.
2: I would, yeah, I would agree. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. So um, I'll just take it from there. Um, once again, this Perfect. is Jack, uh, and I'm gonna be talking from the desk of something important. So just kind of pulling up my article here uh, from four up golf, I'm going to kind of tie it into golf like David did here is just like how you have to treat your seasonal employees, Uh, because like, so these guys are basically what you do is in the golf industry as like a younger adult, I guess, um, is you'll go work up uh, north for six months and then basically move your whole life down to Florida for six months. So you can keep working, uh, where like everybody goes. Mm -hmm. Um, so the article basically just says how like you need to realize that like these guys are working, guys and girls are working, um, 70 hours a week for six months. They don't want to come down to Florida and just kind of do it again. So Mm -hmm. it says how you need to like really realize that, uh, they need to have like some type of life outside of work. Um, So it's just like giving them an extra day off a week or something like that uh, can kind of help maintain uh, your employees because it's so hard to just like want, want to work 70 hours a week for 12 months out of the year. And that causes a lot of people to kind of like leave the industry. Um, So I don't know if you've seen this, David, but I mean, I've seen it personally, just like getting the extra day off does make a huge difference. And Tim, I don't know if you've seen that too, but. I mean, I personally love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally, oh, yeah. Tim. I actually, I'm actually curious. In your experience, you know, because I've gone through uh, four internships already. Um, you know, you guys are a year younger than I am. Yep. I wanted to pick your brain on that. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel the extra day off and the seasonal travel plays into turnover?
3: I would say having that extra day off is huge because it allows people to have or foster more of a work-life balance, like for people that work six days a week comparatively to five, I mean, that extra day is going to be a massive relief for them to, you know, take a break, relax, and, you know, have something else to do instead of, you know, being at work. And, you know, it it almost gives them more control over what they feel is their schedule. So going back to work-life balance, you know, I'm sure that extra day is huge. And at least in my experience, I've had my first internship where I worked five days a week. And then this past summer, I worked six days, occasionally the five-day work week, but mostly six days. I definitely preferred the five days because I had both yeah. of those days. To hey,
2: I, wonder yeah. Yeah.
0: I wonder why. I wonder why.
3: But yeah, it definitely, I think, is a pretty big factor in terms of turnover turnover, and uh, you know just keeping employees.
2: Yeah. I mean, like if one course is offering you, you work five days a week. I mean, everybody's just going to go there. So it's kind of everybody's kind of got to get adjusted to it and just realize that, you know, if you want to keep your employee, you kind of got to let them have a work life balance.
0: You know, yeah. and, and another thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, because um, it's it's worth noting. I don't know if everybody listening is well versed in hospitality and and specifically the golf industry when you're a young you know, a newcomer into the industry and you're working, you're a young professional at a golf club. If you're a seasonal employee, chances are you don't have benefits. Yeah. You know, it's pretty rare that you will immediately become a salaried, you know, employee with benefits. Um, so you're you're going and you're working these 60, 70 hour work weeks, right? And you know, the expectation is you show up every day on time, you look professional, you look the part, blah, blah, blah. And You have no salary to rely on. You don't have paid time off, right? You don't have insurance, like medical insurance. God forbid. You know, you work a pretty physical job. You play a sport. It's true, yeah. You know, you 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 know, it's nice to have a. Oh, don't laugh at the sport, Brian. Yeah, it is a sport. (laughs) It's as much as it was sport (laughs) as waiting tables, Brian. Uh, I mean, I
1: would I would never try to argue that the hospitality industry is a sport.
0: Hey, golf is a sport. Absolutely. The, the professionals who play it work out, not the professionals that are talking right now, but the professionals that play <laughs> it I, me work out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to my point, you know, it, it's, it's as simple as, you know, not having uh, uh benefits and not having something to hang your hat on uh, as a young professional, right? So you're the anticipation, the anticipation of your employer is that you show up, you work your hardest every single day, you know, and you don't have Anything to fall back on it. God forbid yeah. it does happen to you.
3: Right. You have to be fully committed to the course you're working at, even though you're working long hours, and you got to be loyal and committed to what you're doing and the industry, and you got to really enjoy what you're doing. So.
0: Yeah, and they don't really have to commit to you. So we're kind of seeing that change, which is why I'm happy Jack brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Um, right. well, over to you next, Timmy.
3: Yep, we can swing it over to me now. So my desk is something that everyone should care about, and I didn't take a golf focus on this. I talked more of the, you know, hospitality industry in general. Um, But these are the real costs of employee turnover. And essentially, you want to keep your employees, you know, you don't want to upset them. And if you do end up losing your employees, it can look pretty bad for your company as well. It's, you know, it does keep managers up at night, usually, if you know, you're losing employees left and right. Um, But definitely ways that it can affect your company is everyone working there can have a much lower morale. If your work friends leave and whatnot, Uh, you could also see a decrease in productivity, leaving more uh, or fewer team members to get the work done that you guys have. And then thirdly, the financial cost of training and hiring new employees I think we estimated over $5,000 for entry level employees which that can definitely add up and become a cost for companies as well. Ooh. And then my second article that I cho- uh, chose was five ways to reduce employee turnover and you know just to kind of take a step back from you know the cost of it the ways to prevent it would be to obviously hire the right people with strong skills and hopefully they fit into the company culture and environment that way they can get along with everybody and feel at home and then offer competitive ba- uh, pay and benefits and just consider their needs and you know other company wages for other employees and make sure that everything is you know similar and obviously competitive and allow room for growth up the career ladder as well and then Giving praise to employees as well and encouraging them and recognizing them when needed, and then allowing flexible work schedules like we talked about earlier definitely can allow for a good work life balance employees will be a lot happier so that's my two articles there
1: lovely
0: great i I just had a question going back off of uh, off of one of your articles yeah uh, the the uh, first article you mentioned the one about employee retention yep. Yeah. Uh, did it give any like specific statistics on like companies that offer you know a benefit like benefits or paid time off or you know just more of a work life balance? Like obviously those are going to retain more employees. Um, but was there anything about maybe a worse position with better benefits retaining more employees than a higher position with less benefits?
3: It didn't mention any specific companies, but what it did offer was a bunch of different surveys that, you know, they didn't list, obviously, the specific companies. But they did say uh, and uh, measure employees why they would quit their jobs and also um, just the turnover rates per company and what can uh, keep employees there and just the overall costs of losing employees.
0: Gotcha. That's great stuff. That's that's valuable. Thank you, Timmy. I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but yeah, that was uh, I mean I, I think a very valuable discussion when when you look at you know four people who are going into hospitality. I mean, at the end of the day, the three of us going into the golf industry, we're we're just providing a service, just like any other hospitality oh, yeah. uh, I, ideology would. So I, it's you know we're we're not so different, you and I, Brian.
1: No, absolutely. Ah, oh, and that is our desk segments
0: thank you all for listening thank you all for listening we've been the three musketeers
3: uh, we'll be right back after the short break
0: welcome
1: back everybody we are once again the three musketeers and we are coming to you with our hot topic segment i am brian novick and let's get right into it
0: thank you brian that was pretty zesty good work thank you david All right. So now we're going to move into the second portion of our podcast. Uh, It is the hot topic portion. And uh, basically, we're going to be focusing on workplace relationships. Um, One thing I did not take into account is uh, platonic relationships as well as workplace relationships. Uh, Before we get into it, though, uh, I am David Alonji. Once again, I'm Brian Novick. I'm Jack Williamson. I'm Tim Pasula. And we are the Three Musketeers. And... uh, Let's get right into it. No, so, yeah,
1: David. It's a pretty loaded topic. There's a lot for us to talk about today, but before we really dive into it, there is someone that I would like to formally introduce for everyone once again. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. This We have Otis joining us from the Netherlands today. Otis, would you please introduce yourself a little bit and tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
4: Yes, hello, I'm Otis. I'm studying in hospitality management, and I'm 22 years. I'm now my third year, and... I'm living in the Netherlands, in the city
2: called Maastricht. That's me. Awesome. awesome. Awesome, Otis. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show awesome. today. Yeah, it's great to have you today, Otis. i um, be able to kind of gain your different
0: perspective on things. Okay, perfect. Without further ado, let's kick it to our first panelist. Jack, you want to get us, get us going here? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: thanks, David. Once again, I'm Jack, and my article talked about how workplace relationships just kind of happen, and how... Uh, you can become very attracted to people just by seeing them more and more often. Um, and my article t- kind of talked about how like, people that were shown images um, of different people all the time, they find them more attractive, believe it or not. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to what my article said. My article mentioned how
1: 19% of people haven't had an affair with someone that they've met at work. While 40% of people have known someone who've had that type of relationship at work. A lot of this seems like this happens at entry level and seasonal positions, which is both stuff that we work into as our industry. And a lot of these, in these positions, these people are, are completing the same similar task with, with the same people every day. And because of that, they start to create uh, different levels of feelings towards these people, which can tend to lead to relationships. Otis, do you have any experiences with that?
4: Yeah, I work for uh, almost ages in the same company and I saw a lot of people like going and are new in the business and we work with uh, a lot of the same people and I work like five days with another with another girl or boys and especially if you work in the evening, you have some drinks and you be <laughs> the, the whole time with each other and especially when you drink, you feel more attracted to each other and sometimes yeah. people who go up or start relationships of going to see each other after work. So yeah...
0: Yeah, and, and going off that, uh, we talked about, you know, in, in class, we talked about the hospitality industry in general, um, but our industry is, is super demanding. And, uh, you know, specifically being from the from the golf focus of hospitality, um, I can I can kind of speak to the fact that we work a very, you know, counter-cyclical work week compared to the common employee. Yeah. Uh, our, our days off are Mondays and Tuesdays, and, and you know, the, 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 the days that we dread the most are Saturdays and Sundays is as ridiculous as that sounds, but it's for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it, you'll walk in on a Saturday and there'll be 150 members coming to, coming to play your golf course. And it's like, man, when, when do I get a break? Um, but yeah, it's, it's very counter cyclical. So, you know, when, when others would have off, you know, you're working and also when you work in,
4: in, in an office,
0: it's less likely to fall in love with each other. If you work like in
4: the hotel, you work evenings, you sometimes you drink, you see each other more. Also, mate, I think it's far more easy to fall in love in that sort of industry.
1: Yeah, Otis, I really agree with you. I think it's a really different, really interesting point to make the differences of working a lot with people and then working in the industries that we work in with people because if you're sitting at a desk all day, I feel like it's very different than work than as a hotelier being throughout the hotel and really getting into your work. I feel like those differences are really like, really impactful for these industries.
2: Yeah, I think just at least with my experience kind of working in the golf industry, um, there were so many times when like, we would finish up a long day and I'd finish up work around like 6 o'clock and my boss would be like, all right, Everybody, Let's just go to dinner on me. Um, So it's kind of like you're around them so much. They're almost like a second family.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, you're, you know, we work in places of socialization and places of of rest and where people go to find, you know, kind of peace. So it's like when you're already in these social settings, such as like a hotel bar or, you know, for our our sake, Jack, Tim, you know, a, a, a country club. Right. So a major, a major part of, of relationship building is the setting. And uh, you know, I feel like if you're already in these settings, you work in these settings, you're more likely to entangle with your peers, whether that's platonically or romantically. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. You know, Just taking it a step further now, now that we've talked about
3: platonic relationships, romantically as a whole, it's no joke because it can happen everywhere. You guys know. Mm-hmm. There's definitely ways you can try to prevent it, but it, you should at least try and curate people to do the right thing as far as the do's and don'ts of you know, workplace relationships. And one way to do that is to negotiate a love contract. You know, when there's romance in the air at work, an employer can be faced with any negative consequences that can happen. And as a result, it should try to be prevented and kept uh, in control um, a little bit. And just I'll explain a little bit about it. A love contract is simply an agreement between two employees where they represent that their relationship is consensual and not sexual harassment. And they often serve as reminders to dating employees that they have to conduct themselves professionally while at work and to not let their relationship get in the way of their work as well.
1: Timmy, to me this sounds kind of like a way for managers to cover their their butt a little bit and remove some liabilities that can happen with… With, yeah. with some of these types of relationships. Definitely.
3: Yeah, it, it gives kind of a basis for you know managers as well as employees, you know, that they can just have it as a backup in case sexual harassment does occur. That way employees stay professional and try to keep themselves in check. And like you said, it also doubles as keeping employers out of trouble.
1: No, really. Like I really think that, I mean, just kind of what you've said. My article again mentioned how 41% of employees do not know their own company policy regarding these types of love contracts. And having them really be really prevalent and having them really be uh, not forced but emboldened by managers really makes them feel a lot better, and would really allow for a more like safe and secure workplace for everyone. Yep, absolutely. They can definitely help the
3: workplace, and you know I think a lot of companies could benefit from utilizing these. Uh, Otis, how structured is you know a workplace relationship over in the Netherlands, and do you find love contracts often over there?
4: In some companies, there are rules about it, but um, I think it's very open. Everybody's free to do everything what they want. But when you have a relationship, I mean, ended, maybe the rules will change because maybe your wife, your ex-wife, will go to another workplace, or somebody's getting fired because otherwise, the situation is going out of hand. So, but a relationship at work, it's, it's not the problem here. Yeah, policy for for law at workplaces, are...
0: Yeah, that kind of brings me into into my desk a little bit, and. and... One of the articles that I found, um, it was from the workplace forum. It was released in February of 2022. And, uh, the article in general looks at, uh, COVID, COVID statistics in the, in, you know, in the workplace and how they affected relationships. However, um, the article did provide some pretty, pretty solid background, uh, as far as, um, relationships and relationship statistics before the pandemic. Um, so the statistic that just jumped off the page at me is that they polled—I uh, forget how many how many employees. I think it was a couple couple thousand—and um, 77% of the respondents in that poll felt that they did not have to report or didn't think, as far as their HR uh, terms of agreements go, uh, 77% of them did not think that they had to report. Wow. Their really, workplace relationship. I wow. feel
1: like, I feel like that really sets itself up for a really like some really bad situations. Especially when these relationships can be between an employer and an employee, and employees at different levels of management. Not being not reporting it seems like a really like really easy way to like to ensure that you're going to get a lawsuit.
0: Yeah, and they they interviewed an HR professional, you know, in the in the article, and they asked a podcast expert about it, and basically the consensus was that you know, for the American employee that the HR uh, representative is supposed to protect you, you know, and not really, Mm -hmm. not really value the company as much as your, as your uh, interests. So I feel like that definitely plays into it where, you know, these, these employees kind of feel like they're untouchable in that situation where if something were to go to corporate or were to go to, you know, a higher management where there was a problem, you know, they feel like they have an extra layer of protection from, you know, the human resource management uh, professional.
1: No, yeah. I mean, I've just seen that in a lot of these situations that if the HR professional is not really working for the employee and they're looking more on the company side, more to the employer, it leads to a lot of gray areas and it leads to a lot of situations where a lawsuit could really be imminent, especially yeah. if that HR professional is not doing their job in the way that they're supposed to.
0: Yeah, and, and termination to go off go off that as well yeah um if you guys don't
2: mind i'm going to kind of change gears here a little bit yeah go for it dude and i was just going to talk about like more of the platonic side of uh our workplace relationship yeah so um just from like kind of tying it into the golf industry i was going to talk about like so say me and david are working at the same uh country club five years down the road <laughs> that'll never happen <laughs> yeah right and me and david are working there for about five years you know obviously we know each other so we're buds um and then pretend obviously it would be me over David, but I get the promotion to the That's not, uh, not this is, that's like, not, like very, that's very, not very light. You're delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I get the promotion to be the uh, manager and now David's kinda working under me. It's just kinda it would be like I almost know what me and David used to get away with, so I could either kind of hold him to a higher standard or kind of just let him get away
0: with what he was doing. I would quit way before then. What, David, you wouldn't
2: want to work under Jack?
0: <laughs> I would quit way before then.
1: Dude. <laughs> wait, 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 David, working under Jack doesn't excite you for your future, prom- for future career offerings? <laughs> uh,
0: not specifically. But, uh, no offense. <laughs> I would probably seek other employment. <laughs> and then
2: uh, I was just going to say that this has kind of happened to me in the past where um, there was two guys that were uh, working aside each other and one got hired as the manager. And he kind of knew what what was going on upstairs in the assistant's office and kind of what they got away with. And then he kind of held them to a higher standard and then the um, assistant professional
0: ended up uh, moving jobs because of it. Yeah, no, that's, I can kind of relate to it. Uh, In my personal experience, uh, I've been going back to the same golf club. Now I've done four internships with, uh, with the same golf club. And, you know, the guys I work with are kind of like my family at this point. You know, I, I, spend, you know, between, 40 hours of work and you know, however many rounds of golf we played together a week, you know, probably between 70 and 75 hours with these guys a week. So yeah. they're, they're, they're my brothers at this point. Luckily, we've been in a position where we could all move vertically with each other and kind of, you know, grow our careers together. But, um, you know, if, if it were ever the case where one of them were promoted and had to kind of oversee us, excuse me, I think it would be extremely hard to you know, kind of balance that dynamic now, Definitely. where you know it, it was such a close friendship, and it still is such a close friendship that I don't know if we could, you know, just have have someone bark orders at us during a busy day without you know giving a little bit of resistance or you know kind of you know telling them to lighten up or probably probably not in that many words. But
1: David, uh, David, you mentioned how you and these group of guys have been able to go vertically with each other for so long. What do you what do you think your next course of action would be if one of those guys ended up getting that promotion before you did, and you were still working at that same club?
0: Uh, it's hard, right? Because I wouldn't want to say honest. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to say I would leave, um, but it would be hard. It would be difficult, you know. Like it's like having your older brother tell you to clean your room. It's like who are you going to tell me what <laughs> yeah. to do, right? It's, it's just a it's a totally it's a totally I it different
3: dynamic. When it was, uh, Otis, Otis have you seen any of these? And, uh, 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 relationships we were both discharged at the time, and, like related to personal experience. And uh, we both wanted
4: to go to service, but so, they so, yeah, only needed one yeah, person. So, yeah, so we both applied for the Otis, job. Do you want, and you I get it and around. he didn't get it? And we were close friends, so it was difficult for us to talk about it because I got promotion, he didn't. But yeah, I was happy and he was sad. But sometimes it's awkward, and sometimes people leave because they're angry. But I think if it, if you solve it and do it, and the management is clear to the other guy how to do it better and give him a, a solution, I think it's fine. Are you and yeah. the person still friends? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, not not anymore because he is living in a different part of the Netherlands. But God. we were on the same football team and uh, we were in the same school, so we hang out still. At at that time, we, awesome.
1: we were together. Oh, good. If you're on your football team, he's a good, he's a good friend. Was, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. cool. I mean, he was more angry at the company than just me because we were friends. We, we helped each other, so. That's
0: good. So one more parting question, and it's actually about that story. Do you think he lives in a different part of the Netherlands now because he didn't gain the promotion? No. No? Totally no. unrelated? <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to make sure he wasn't just trying to get her as far away from you as possible. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just to wrap it all up, let's give everyone an opportunity to get their closing thoughts about employee relationships and overall and their overall thoughts about our discussion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know before we before we started, I kind of only took the romantic side into account here, but you know, moving more towards the platonic side, being in that in that you know stage of thought, I I kind of understand you know the struggles of of movement within the within industries and and how. You know, power struggles are created. You know, personally, I just worked. I just worked the masters. You know, a, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you know, in eight days, you're working. You're working 116 hours. You know, now I'm wow. extremely. I'm extremely close with those guys now. I mean, I mean it's it's an absolute grind, but it, it's so worth it. That place is so amazing. Yeah. But the you're in such close quarters with them, you become such good friends. that by the end of the week, you're cracking jokes, you're having fun, and you know, not that the work, the quality of work goes down, but I can see how managers have a hard time you know, balancing that hierarchy of, of promotions and relationships, you know, affecting work within the, uh, yeah. within the industry. And, uh, Definitely. now I'll kick it over to you, Tim. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, just throwing it back to my segment, you know,
3: overall, I think the best way to keep love in check at work is just using those love contracts. I mean, it keeps everybody involved, especially the participants in the relationships as well as the employer just safe. I think, you know, having a set of rules of do's and don'ts, just setting the standard just keeps everybody overall safe and keeps the employer in check.
1: No, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these problems that we've seen are, have a lot to do with proximity and around how, how close you actually end up working with these people. I know I've worked in summer camps over the past couple of years, and I know how prevalent summer relationships and temporary employment uh, relationships can be and all and ultimately what they can mean to an employer – and kind of what David mentioned earlier about how to save experiences being almost cyclical, we'll set schedule other people that are working in different industries are always going to be like, they're always going to be different, right? And we work very cyclically. We work very at very like outrageous times. And well, like outrageous counter, times. counter-cyclically. Cal- counter Cal- That's what I call it. No, it's okay. Thank you, for, thank you for correcting me. It's all right. So, everybody so everybody uh, makes mistakes, uh, Brian. But know, kind, of, kind of to build off of that, uh, our industries are so... Like we're we're working so many hours a day, and we're working so counter cyclically, as David so politely <laughs> uh, pointed out, that uh, it really leads to it has it really leads to these this thought of these employees, like that we're gonna form that we're gonna most likely have relationships within our industry or with people that are along these these similar schedules.
2: Yeah, it's just a couple closing thoughts from me. Um, thinking about it from our industry side and how many hours we work, you get so close with these people, like it's almost. Like they're literally your second family. Like you do everything with them. I feel like in the golf industry, like I spend holidays with people just because like, I'm usually working during holidays. Um, I go out to dinner with them after work. I play golf with them after work. So it's almost like they really are your second family. Otis, you have any final
4: thoughts? Yeah, my opinion is that you have to be open about the relationships that you have in the company. If you're open and nobody, everybody knows if you have a relationship and knows it it's fine also with the love contract it's it's a good policy because everybody knows the the rules and everything it's fine
1: it's good on behalf of the three musketeers and otis we thank you all so much for listening to our podcast once again i am brian this has been david i'm tim this is jack and we are the three musketeers thank you guys very much for listening.